Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I always encourage people that, like, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't have a, a capacity right now. I don't have a maybe a position or a title in ministry in the church. Just do something. Do the, whatever things God's showing you need to be done. Just start doing those things. But I don't have, I'm, I'm not acknowledged as such and such. It doesn't matter. Just do it. I, I feel called to teach. We'll study the Bible and in conversations, edify people what you learn. See if they're edified. See if they get taught. See if people are built up through that, that exchange. In today's message, Pastor Bill will encourage you to just do something, but not just anything. As followers of Christ, we're all given unique gifts through the Holy Spirit for the building up and edifying of the body of Christ. When we live in the gifts and talents that God has given us, there's true joy and blessing. There's true joy and blessing. And while not all of us have a ministry or platform yet to use our gifts and talents, we can still use our gifts in small ways. We can go out and do what it is God has called us to, no matter what. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 11 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Moses' challenge here, verse 13, he carries on. Where am I to get meat to give all these people? For they weep all over me, saying, give us meat that we may eat. Now Moses asks a direct question again. God, where am I going to get meat to feed all these people? He said, they're crying all over me. And I just want you to get the imagery. I guess every time Moses will walk out, he said, they're not just crying in front of me. They're crying on me. And I just could imagine the women just, Moses, we want meat. And they're crying and it's all emotional and I, that would be enough to wear anybody out. I, anybody here in Moses' shoes, we'd be, we'd be trying to catch a vacation. We'd be trying to do a Jonah. I'm going to get on a boat and go somewhere else. I can't deal with these people. So Moses, to his credit, is still there, but he's fed up. He is overwhelmed. And I just want you to catch that. That's where he's at. Because what are we supposed to do when we're overwhelmed? I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. This is too much what I'm going through here. It's just more than I can handle, right? God's never left us without direction and circumstances. And there are going to be times in your life where you are overwhelmed. It is too much for you to handle. And I believe that in those moments, in those seasons, in those times, what God wants us to do is to look to him. Because it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that God is, God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted or test it beyond what you are able, but with the, t- the temptation, he says he makes a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And while it's true that God will never give you more than you can bear, God will give us more than we can do without him all the time. And what it does is it brings us to the end of ourself where I look up and say, God, I can't do this. I need you. And we cry out to him and he's there to help us. So God will never give me more than what I could do with his help. But many times, most of the time, God calls me to do things that in my own strength, I can never accomplish it. I can never get it done. And so the answer is that I would look to him, that I would cry out to him for help. And so the people are crying on me, he says, all over me, saying, give us meat that we may eat. Verse 14, he says, I am not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. And again, a very honest cry out to the Lord. He said, Lord, I can't do it. This is, I cannot bear the burden of all these people. It is too much for me. And what he said is true. And I believe this is, a, this is the healthy thing to do when I'm overwhelmed or I'm burdened. God, I can't do this. This is too much for me. 
There have been times in my life where I felt overwhelmed. And I, I, I'm usually pretty, pretty even killed. But when I'm overwhelmed, it, it shows. I can see it. My wife will know. She knows. My wife knows. I, I, have, I behave differently when I'm overwhelmed with stuff. And over the years of my life, whenever I've come to a place where I'm overwhelmed and I pause and I have to go to the Lord, there's a, a few things. Sometimes I recognize I have added things to the list that, that were not God's will. So I'm overwhelmed because I added some stuff that's not from the Lord. And so there are times where you need to take everything and put it back before the Lord to say, God, did I pick up something along the way that you didn't have for me? Because I'm ready to put it down. I'm overwhelmed. I'm ready to just kick it to the curb. I can't do it. So that's the that's the short thing. Just say, God, I'm overwhelmed. What, is there something on this list that is not from you? Would you show me so I can let it go? Because God's not giving me more than I can handle. But if I end up with more than I can handle, it's because I picked up some extra stuff. So sometimes when we're overwhelmed, we need to say, God, this is all the things I'm doing. It's too much. And is there anything on this list that I can let go? And anything on this list that I picked up, I added. And you want me to let it go. Healthy way to bring that before the Lord. Verses 15 and 16. It says, if you treat me like this, please kill me here and now. If I have found favor in your sight and do not let me see my wretchedness. Now, that's an interesting prayer. It's drastic. Moses said, Lord, if it's going to be like this, kill me right here. I don't want to make light. Moses is saying, God, I will rather die than continue on like this. The, rea- the reality is this, that there are some people that are so overwhelmed that they feel just like this. That's rather die. Now, that's, that's extreme and it's over. But there are people that come to the place where I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. I don't know where I just want to die. They want out. As though death is out. And so Moses said, Lord, if it's going to be like this, then can you just kill me here and now? I don't think Moses, I mean, Moses has seen God do this. I don't think he's just bluffing here. I don't think he's just saying big words. I think Moses is really at the point where he's cracking. He's like, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'd rather die than continue like this. And again, the only thing I can say positive is that he's crying this out to the Lord. If you ever come to a place where you feel that overwhelmed, that you'd rather die, you'd rather be gone, you want to cry out to the Lord. You want to take it to him. You want to, you want to cry out to the one that gives you life. He, he not only gives you life, he gives you purpose for your life. And God is mercifully, now I look at this and I look at the way God, that Moses just spoke to the Lord. And I think about with the Lord and my servant just spoke to me. He's been very sarcastic. You know, why you did this to me? How come you gave me these people? These ain't my people. These are not my kids. I didn't bear them. How come I got to carry them like a nursing mother? I mean, he's been coming at the Lord pretty tough. But what I see is very gracious about what the Lord does is God answers him and God deals with the situation. God's going to deal with the situation for the people. Um, and we'll see more of that next week. And God's going to deal with the situation for Moses. You do need some help. When Moses said, Lord, I can't bear this alone. God said, you're right. You guys, that's, you need some help. And I'm going to show you how to get good help. And so the Lord intervenes. The Lord answers this. Even though it's a rough prayer, the Lord answers it. So the, the last part of verse 15, he says, again, if you treat me like this, please kill me here and now if I found favor in your sight. And then he says this, and do not let me see my, my own wretchedness. Don't let me see my own wretchedness. I don't, I don't want to. In other words, Moses is saying, Lord, if I have to stay out, if I have to continue to do this, it's going to be ugly. I don't want to see my own wretchedness. Now, remember this. 
Remember when the Lord found Moses, right? Every, everybody here has a past. And I think Moses is, is, is alluding to when, when the Lord found Moses, he had a temper back in the day. He walked out there and he saw the, the, the guy beating on one of the Hebrews and he went to break it up. And next thing you know, he done beat the dude to death. He said, oh, shoot. Covered him up in the dirt. Look both ways, which you know, which, 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 that's what you do when you're guilty. Look both ways, may see if somebody saw. And then he found out that somebody had seen him. Because the next day he went out there and they said, what? You gonna kill me like you did him the other day? And Moses said, oh no. And he had to get out of there and he took off. Well, that's Moses, that's his past. So imagine in your past, when you get real angry, you beat somebody to death. Moses saying, Lord, <laughs> these people keep doing this to me. <laughs> I don't wanna see my own record. I really don't wanna have to fall back. And some of us, some you know, we may phrase it differently, you know, but everybody here know we got a, I got a ceiling. I got a limit. I got a place where I'm like, man, I don't, I, whoo, I, I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that guy again. And Moses is saying, Lord, I'm at the limit. I'm at the limit. I'm, I'm, as, I'm at the limit. They, somebody going to see some wretchedness real soon. I need out. Let me die. I don't want to go back to what I used to be. He is begging God to intervene and to help. And like I said, though his approach is kind of rough, and not, I wouldn't advise that we come at the Lord in the attitude or the tone in which he came at the Lord. I do believe that it was wise that he at least went to the Lord with what he was dealing with. So starting in verse 16, God's going to respond. And this is something I love about the Lord is God always has the perfect answers. If we'll bring our issues to him, if we'll bring our concerns, our needs, our burdens to the Lord, he always has the perfect answer. He knows exactly what needs to be done. And so look at verse 16. It says, so the Lord said to Moses, gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may stand there with you. First thing God tells Moses, okay, you know what? You need some help. Go get 70 guys that are already serving as elders. They're already out there serving the people. Go get 70 of them and bring them to the tabernacle with you. And then he says, well, he's going to give some more instruction on, on this, but guys, go, go get them and bring them with you. So one thing I see here is God, God doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't chastise Moses for coming to him with this burden. He doesn't say, man, you need to toughen up Moses. You just need to, God says, okay, you're right. You do need some help. Now, what if Moses would have waited another year to cry out to the Lord? Would he have been under this burden for another year needing help? Because look, as soon as he cried out to the Lord, how long after he prayed did God say, I got you. I'm like, we're going to get some help. It was immediate. He cried out and God said, I'm going to help you. And you need to go get 70 guys, bring them. We're going to see in just a minute that God is going to say, I'm going to, say, I'm going to take the same spirit I put upon you and I'm going to put it upon 70 other men. You're going to have some spirit filled help. I'm going to take care of this. And as I look at this again, I see God saying, I got the perfect answer. You do need some help. I'm going to find you the right kind of help, the right people. This is something I thought was interesting as we in the church seek out people to serve and people to help. How do we, what kind of people do you want? What kind of people are you looking for? What I see here is God telling Moses, go find some people that are already doing. They're, they're already functioning. They're already serving as, they're already guiding and leading people. Go find 70 men like that and bring them to me. A lot of times within the church, as you recognize there's needs for things, 
You look for people that are already doing it. They already have a heart to do it. They're already, this person already serving. This person's already put their hand to the work in some way. And those are really the people you want to say, hey, I, I need to put you in a more official capacity. I see you already have a heart to do the work. Now, can I just direct it a little bit? I want to get you over here. Someone that's already moving in that direction. This isn't somebody that you're starting from scratch that you don't know if their heart is really there. They're, they're already doing it. And so I always encourage people that, like, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't have a, a capacity right now. I don't have a, maybe a position or a title in ministry in the church. Just do something. Do the, whatever things God's showing you need to be done. Just start doing those things. But I don't have, I'm, I'm not acknowledged as such and such. It doesn't matter. Just do it. I, I feel called to teach. We'll study the Bible and in conversations, edify people what you learn. See if they're edified. See if they get taught. See if people are built up through that, that exchange. I, I just, just see all these needs. A lot of times I tell people in the church, the things that you see that you want to complain about are the things that you're probably supposed to be helping with. You got an eye for it. There's some people that are real tidy and they'll see messy stuff. Oh, look at that. That's a mess. That stuff over there and that stuff over there. I can't believe. And they just go sit down. And leave this thing is a mess. And it's a walk out. You see the same mess. You know what you call to do? You call to clean up. That's your calling. You call. You're not called to complain. You call to go and help clean up the stuff that you see. Uh, one time we were doing the the worship, and you know I'm not the best typist, but back in the day I used to type the words real quick. Sometimes when we get the songs, I'll put another type in real quick, and then there'd be some some educated people out there, some educators, some educated women and folk out there, and they would look up, and the words were wrong. And it was like, they, they couldn't even worship. That praise, oh, I can't even look at it. It's an ignorant praise. I can't even go there with you, you know. And it bothered a couple people so much that somebody said, can I, can I take it home and fix it? You know, can, can I just have the thing and get it right? I just, I want to worship. Every time I see the, the, the with the, without the E and everything, it just messed me, mess up my whole flow, you know. And, you know, but it was nice that they were, they weren't just there to complain. They were also saying, I, I, can I help fix that? I would like to eliminate that issue for the future. So just throwing that out there. Sometimes the things that trouble us and bother us for me, right? What I get bothered by in the church is all the bad teaching. I look, I look at Christian TV and I'm like, oh, look at all those people that they look like they really want God. And that guy is up there talking about that. And it's not even in the Bible. And it bothers me. So God said, you can't sit in front of TV and complain. You pick up your Bible and go teach, you know, go, go do something. That's what I could do. I can't sit in, I can't sit in front of TV and all day complaining. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. That's not going to do nothing. But guys, you need to go Bible college, get yourself ready. Go, go teach the Bible. That's what you call to do. So know this. God never called anybody to the ministry of complaining. Nobody. There's not one person that God said, you know what you're calling this? You are going to be an anointed complainer. I'm going to anoint you. You're going to be the best complainer in the church. Ain't nobody been called to complain. We all have been called to do something. So, but a lot of times the things that we would complain about are the things that God is stirring up in us and may be a hint as unto what we're called to do. So God responds again. First, he tells them to go get 70 men that are already functioning. They're already helping out as elders. Verse 17, then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take of the spirit that is upon you and put the same spirit upon them and they shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear it yourself alone. This is so cool. God says, look, for you to serve God, you can't serve God in your own strength. You need the spirit of God upon your life, right? God's spirit comes upon us to equip us, to enable us to minister, to serve, to do what we can't do naturally, but it's going to be a supernatural 
effect upon our lives. As you come into the New Testament, God has spent three years teaching the disciples. He has spent three years teaching them the word, taking them to do ministry, going on ventures with them, sending them out two by two to cast out demons and conquer areas. I mean, God has spent good time with them, ministering to them. And at the end of the time, as Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, come back and he's given direction. He says, y'all aren't ready yet. Wait in Jerusalem. Wait for what, Lord? Wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Acts 1.8. And he says that when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, then you will be. You're not going to work at it. You're not going to study how to do it. You're not going to try really hard to become it. When the Spirit of God comes upon you, you will be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the end of the God. So when my Spirit comes upon you, you're going to have what you need to be a witness of me everywhere you go. Jerusalem, home, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. He said, but wait for it. Don't go anywhere until you get it. You're ill-equipped to go out until you get it. So they weren't able to go. God said, don't go out without it. And so for anybody here serving that's never said, Lord, would you pour out your spirit upon me? You're ill-equipped. Maybe that's why you're overwhelmed. Maybe that's why it's too much. Maybe that's why there's no sweetness. It's not a flow of the spirit. Maybe that's why it's frustrating and it's eh, so much of your energy. And God wants to take it off of you. So let me put my spirit upon you. It'll be just it'll, it'll be me working through you. We're going to we're going to cooperate together. I'm going to lead you. You're going to move in obedience and I'm going to move at times and do things through you that you can never do in your own strength. And you just be careful to give me the glory and I'm going to use your life for my glory. I'll be moving through you. And so God puts his spirit upon us. But the cool thing in the early church, when the spirit fell, it wasn't on just one or two. There was a whole group of them gathered together. I believe 120 in the upper room. They were there. They were waiting on the Lord. They were praying. And on all the believers there, God's spirit fell upon them. And at that point, the outward manifestation was they began to speak in other tongues. There was a there was tongues like cloven fire above their heads and they spake with other tongues. There was a supernatural phenomenon. The people that were standing by heard them worshiping God in their own language and they were Galileans. So they're like, how you worshiping God in my language? But the things that they were saying, which tongues is to God and not to men, they were speaking the glories of God. They were worshiping him. And it, it opened the door for Peter to preach that first sermon. Three thousand people get saved. Boom. Church is born. And it's on the way. God's beginning to do a great work. And so as I look way back here, this is not a new thing. God says, Moses, you're going to need my spirit upon you. But he said, what I'm going to do for you, I'm going to multiply the work. I'm going to take 70 other people and I'm going to take the same spirit that's on you and I'm going to put it upon them. And there are going to be 70 other spirit filled people that are going to be able to assist you in the work. And so when I look at the work of the church, I realize that we need people as many as we can get. People that are filled with the spirit. One thing that I believe the enemy does is to come and confuse or frustrate those things that are most important, that are most needful. And so what happens in the church at large In the church at large today, we say, what's the evidence that you're the you have the fullness of the spirit? And what's the evidence that everybody looks for? Tongues. The one thing you could fake. Right. It's the one you could fake. And that's what people are looking for. The one that you could fraudulently put forth. But as I look in scripture and I'm looking at those that are filled with the spirit, those that are baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm seeing whole lives that are impacted. These lives are given over to the things of God. This is not some carnal person that can go and cuss you out in the parking lot and smoke a cigarette and drink a beer. This is somebody whose life is 
These lives are sold out for the things of God. Everybody, I done been at the places. I done seen the people. I done been at the churches where, and I'm like, wow, look at that. And you go outside, it's N-words, and cuss you out. And I'm like, whoa, where did the Holy Spirit go? He's, is he only in the building? Does he not put you in the lot? Does he, does he not follow you home? He ain't on Facebook with you. You know, like, what happens between the building and the rest of your life? It's fake, fraudulent. You know what you can't fake? Can't fake fruit, right? And so the fruit of the Holy Spirit that's what we look for. What do we look for? We're looking at someone's life and saying, that person walking in the fullness of the spirit, love and patience and gentleness. And so those, those are things you can't fake for very long, a real work of the spirit. And you take somebody that's really baptized in the Holy Spirit and really filled with the spirit and you just watch their life. And they're going to be someone that's operating in self-control. There's gentleness. There's patience. There's love. There's all, all the fruits are going to be there. That'll be evidence. I'll take that person all day over the, the, the manifestation over here of a tongue or an outward thing. I'll take, I'll take this person over here that, that is walking in the fullness of the Spirit in these other ways. And so that's what we want to look for in our own lives, that God's Spirit would, would be, God, are you, am I filled with your Spirit, right? Can I, is it evidence? Would, my, would, my, would the people that live in my household say, I'm filled with the Spirit or not? <laughs> you got a big leak. You leak in the morning, you leak before coffee, you leak, you know, what would the people that are close to you say? That, we, we should care about that. And this is the awesome thing with the Lord. If you found that you, 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 you had a leak, Lord, would you meet me? Would you fill me anew and afresh? I need, I need you. I need, to, I need you to pour out upon me. I'm not enough. I need you. And so we want to walk in that, though. And, and this, is the, this is the last thing on that, because we're going to talk more about the Holy Spirit next week. The relationship that you're going to have with the Holy Spirit is one where it's, he's there. It's never a question of his, 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 is he there? He lives in you if you're saved. It's do you yield to the work of the Spirit? It's your yieldedness or not. You can yield to the Spirit, quench the Spirit, grieve the Spirit, resist the Spirit, obey the Spirit, be led by the Spirit. You, you can all those things. You get to choose how you respond every time he engages you, interacts with you. And so we want to become people that get good at being led by the spirit, yielding to the spirit, obeying the voice of the Holy Spirit that we might walk in his fullness. Amen. And so moving on. So he's going to get 70 people that the same spirit that's on him is going to be put upon those people. Verse 18. Then you shall say to the people, consecrate yourself for tomorrow and you shall eat meat for you have wept in the hearing of the Lord saying, who will give us meat to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore, the Lord, the Lord will give you meat and you shall eat. This sounds good, but it's bad. Anybody ever heard the expression? I don't know for you guys when you were coming up. If when I was coming up, if I was crying and it was perceived that I was crying for nothing, what would, what would, what would most parents say? I'm going to give you something to cry about. So, you know, my mom might tell me no. I might get told no, I can't have something. And I get a little lip quiver like I'm, a, like I'm about to cry. You, know, you cry about that, I'm going to give you something to cry about. That meant you cry about that, I'm going to whip you and give you going to have a real reason to cry after I whip you. So they've been crying out to God who's fed them supernaturally manna from heaven. And God says, you know what? I'm going to give. Now, this is we're going to see next week in fullness. But God, I'm going to give y'all. You want me? I'm going to give you meat. Don't forget. I don't want you to miss this because right here it looks like God's going to be nice and answer their prayer and give him meat. But I don't want you to forget what we read in verse 10 that it says the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. God is getting ready to punish them 
Notice this, punish them by giving them what they wanted. I'm gonna punish you by giving you what you want and a whole bunch of it. You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. The book of Numbers, well, it has a lot of numbers, but there's much more in this book than that. During their long, drawn-out journey, the Israelites' faith in God is tested. In return, these wayward people test God's patience towards them, but God remains faithful and true in looking out for His chosen people. When you think about it, it's no different today. People disobey and test God's patience, while they also endure hardships and challenges that they wouldn't have desired. But in all, God remains faithful through and through. If you missed any part of this series in the book of Numbers, you can hear these messages by going to CalvaryInglewood.org. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're ever in the Inglewood area, we'd like to meet you. Our service times are on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit in person, we stream our services online. For more information, such as directions and links to media pages, just visit CalvaryInglewood.org. Again, that website is CalvaryInglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Numbers, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. You might be surprised by how things in this book might apply to the very things you're working through in your own life. So be sure to join us again to hear and be challenged by a transforming word.